0: and
1: gentlemen
0: yes sir welcome back ladies and gentlemen this is boilers in the stands i'm your host greg braggs jr i'm back in the saddle again joining my guys craig bowers and joe jackson who have been working hard this offseason trying to continue to give you college basketball coverage as we're in kind of the the dark days right now and hey nobody else is doing much but we're still doing things for you Uh, And these are kind of evergreen shows, you know, and I'll encourage everybody to go back and watch the other Big Ten preview shows that these guys have been doing, covering, you know, three three different teams or so every episode. And uh, that's going to get you ready and set and understanding who the rosters are and what to expect from each team in the Big Ten. But tonight we are back to talking Boilermaker basketball. Couldn't be more excited about that. These guys got a firsthand view from the new look squad at the scrimmage. Uh, just a few, about a week ago, and the alumni game that was uh, before that, which I know was a lot of fun with Gene Cady on hand. And then we even got a Euro trip where you were able to kind of tune in if you knew where to find it on the website. And, and these guys were following that along and, and giving coverage, live updates as that was going on. So, you know, we don't sleep when it comes to Boilermaker basketball. And we know anybody that's tuned into the show is just excited as we are for the upcoming season. So, uh, with that being said, guys, how we doing? I miss you.
2: Yeah, it's good to be back. You, you're gone for like five shows, and we screw up the intro the first time you come back. So <laughs> hey, we're okay.
0: a little wait,
2: we're a little rusty over here. We're a little wait, rusty wait. over here, but we we'll get our three man weave going again here soon.
0: That's right. It's the off season for everybody. I forgot my power <laughs> cord at CHDO Studios, so I have a battery life of just an hour. So we'll see how long you know with me in here in back in the fold you you never know how long a show can go but my battery is telling me i've got to keep my mouth shut for a certain period of time so um you know but i do think it's going to be dwindling away a little faster than that so let's get right into it um you know you guys like i said got to see this team at a scrimmage uh i'll start with you craig what was your your impressions of the new look boilermakers
2: well, I think, first of all, we just got to remember um, <clears throat> we're talking about a scrimmage where they played each other and we're talking about a European trip where we don't necessarily know the level of competition. Um, so I think it's important that we we keep everything kind of level-headed as we make some of these takes along the way. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a good preview to see, you know, who's worked on their game in the offseason and and what's kind of popping off in terms of just what meets your eye. Is like, oh, okay, he's added this, this guy's added that. And we got four guys that are going to start playing uh, on an active roster for Purdue that we've never seen, um, you know, in regular season basketball. So we kind of got our first look at a lot of those guys as well uh, to see what they might bring to the team. And, you know, I certainly think at the scrimmage, um, we saw some things that I guess confirmed um, what we've been hearing in the offseason about some people that had really grown in terms of uh, what they can bring to the table this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the thing is that we're most excited for is, um, we're, I, I, you know, obviously Zach Eadie coming back was just so huge. And it's not going to change, you know, the way they play, you know, as far as the way their structure is. I know there's a lot of hand wringing about, you know, they got to change things up because of the results in March. But at the end of the day, Zach Eadie is the gravity that sucks in all. And you're not going to get away from that because that's a gravity you just can't quantify And, you know, they'll they'll be lucky to ever have that kind of presence underneath the hoop ever again. So you're going to have this for at least one more year with Zach Eady and the style of play. You know, Joe, from what you saw at the scrimmage, did you see anything as far as a new wrinkle or anything that could get fans ears perked up? Or or are we just going to go back to the bread and butter that is Matt Painter's system?
3: I mean, obviously it's a little different with Edie not being there um he was you know he's playing for team canada right now in fiba so in and of itself it gives you a little bit different look but you know i think you just continue to see purdue wanting to make Brainsmith smith be as aggressive as aggressive as possible uh he ended up with 40 something assists i think to like 42 assists to like seven turnovers on the euro trip and you know competition and all that can be taken into account but just the fact that he they just made him be aggressive. They're they're going to constantly tell him this is your offense. Keep running it. um So I think there's going to be that. I think you know as much as there is Edie, and as much as he should have an insanely high usage and all of that stuff. Like I think Purdue knows what the last three losses mean, and that at some point you got to be a little bit more flexible. Um, and so I think I think Painter's really just going to implore guys to be more aggressive. You know, Craig mentioned at, at the scrimmage that. Painter was really imploring Colvin to like hunt his shot, get your pull up, and like just things like that. um, I think are going to be big. I think those are going to be things that are going to be continued to be added to this team. And then you bring back ED eventually, and then you hope, hopefully, it all hits. So now, way that way, you know, teams triple team ED like uh, in the post or whatever. Now, guys can knock down shots, guys can get to the rim, uh, things like that. So, you know, and we'll dive into like TKR first because that's another interesting thing, just like the usage that those two will get. But...
2: Yeah. And it was, you know, really interesting. My brother who who lives in Europe got to go over to those first two games in Germany and watch live. And and he had some thoughts on Braden Smith. I got to talk to him. He's it's, it's like three a.m. in the morning right now. So Kyle was not all about jumping on with this live. Uh, but we did get to talk to him for just a little bit the other day. And here were his thoughts on Braden Smith. A lot was made of Braden Smith at the end of the season last year. Obviously, he struggled in that final game. But there were also moments last year where he completely took control of games, whether it was um, against Marquette, against Gonzaga, against big-time programs. And I thought one of the more interesting things that stood out, and I heard several national broadcasters talk about it in podcasts um, who also watched some of these European games because they they were broadcast and you could pay to watch them, was just – without Zach on the floor, um, how much it looked like Braden controlled the game and how fast he pushed the ball and made decisions. I guess, what were your impressions of Braden? And, and obviously there's going to be, you know, 10 minutes a game, most likely that Zach's not on the floor. And what were your impressions of Braden just as a floor general?
1: Definitely positive. Definitely positive. Uh, I wouldn't say actually that that there was a huge difference from last year. And I mean that in a positive way and that I thought he had a pretty good grasp uh, last year, at least for a freshman. And I, in in general, I thought he had a pretty good grasp of flow of the game, where people should be, where the ball should go, all all the aspects that, that a point guard should uh, perform Um, at times, even in the games here, uh, he definitely played well with the ball. And I thought, wow, it would be nice if somebody else could control the ball so it wasn't quite so dependent upon Braden um, because he was doing a good job and he had the ball in his hand a lot. And there were times where I thought, ah, it'd be nice if there was another guy in the wing that could uh, handle things just so it wasn't so reliant upon Braden. Um, But again, I mean that in a positive way. I thought he controlled things uh, usually by the second half, even in in the environment of these games against European competition. He'd kind of figure things out with a bit more detail start playing the defense to his advantage um, uh, to get people in scoring position um, but yeah definitely good definitely good yeah
2: and we were really excited that Kyle got to go over there and, and do that and see those games provide us with some live video and And I saw the same things, Joe, that he did in terms of just Braden controlling the game. And I listened to some national guys, and they were going nuts about him pushing the ball and controlling everything. And I'm like, did you not watch Marquette and Gonzaga last year? (laughs) Like, Braden did this last year, too. This isn't new. Maybe it looks faster without Zach on the floor. But as we look at some of the other new guys on the team and some guys coming back, what were your thoughts about what Kyle was saying in terms of the other guy? Who's going to be the other guy on this team that helps take some of the ball pressure off him?
3: I mean, the first thing's gotta probably be Lance Jones. Uh, I think he's more of a true point than what David Jenkins was last year. And you know, we love we love David Jenkins, obviously. Um, but I think he can be a little bit more of a true point. He can he's a little bit better of an on ball defender, better like point of attack, which is gonna be important. Not on an offense, like um, you know, I think we're seeing in a clip here probably. Um, just seemed more comfortable getting into the paint as time went on. And now it is zero. I, I I don't know if I need to say this every time I make a point, but it is your competition. I think it's a little bit easier to get in the paint for him, but just the aggressiveness to be able to get there is big Um, in terms of just handling the ball and running point. I don't know if he'll be a focal point of offense when he's in, if ED's off also, but uh, just, he'll probably be the number one guy to, you know, take in those whatever 10, 15 minutes that Braden doesn't play a game would be my guess.
0: That's yeah. interesting. Um, let me know how my sound is. I had to switch over not to my great. phone, of course. Uh, it's not great. No,
2: it, it's fine, it'll be fine, it's okay. Greg. Well, I'll we jump want, out. We but... want you, Greg. We want you yeah, on the show. Yeah, I know.
0: Show. I'll jump I'll jump out and go grab my headphones here in a second. Um, but that's the thing when you guys did the breakdown of Lance Jones when Purdue first got him, you know. It, it to me it was like, you know, how much will this guy be willing be a willing passer? Because my guy, Mark Silverman from ESP 1000, he's a, a Saluki alumni and a big Saluki basketball enthusiast. And he said, you know, this guy will will put it up a bunch, you know, and, and he kind of can be a microwave at times, but he really wasn't known for, you know, facilitating. But when you guys say he's, he, you know, you know, more of a point guard and, and you see, you know, Derek uh, Mulliken here saying that, you know, he, he has you know, that ability to be more of a point guard than maybe even a, a David Jenkins, that certainly has my ears perked up. Yeah.
3: Yeah, not, you know, that's why, I think that's why Painter got him, right? We, when we, when he first transferred, we all saw the 26% from three or whatever it was and just kind of, I don't know, freaked out, uh, but definitely was just like, why, you know, why Jones then? And he showed it some, I don't know, you know, I don't think, I don't know, if, I don't know if I think he'll be a 25, 30 minute guy game. Um but he seemed comfortable being that backup role. And that's exactly what Purdue needs. Play the backup point if you need to fill in at the two a little bit too, uh, just depending on matchup, although that is a really small backcourt at that point. Um, you know, he he has that
2: upside to him, and that's all you kind of want to hope for and see right now. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, just from the short amount that we've seen him, you know, he's quicker, he's more athletic than what Jenkins. And I love David Jenkins, so this is no David Jenkins yeah. slander. Um, but he's quicker and more athletic with the ball in his hands that, than what Jenkins was, I think. So, And he did play point at Southern Illinois for, for part of his career. Um, I think he has more of a scoring mindset just in general, yeah. but at the same time, um, I think he's probably got more ability to play the point than what Jenkins did. And then when we look beyond that, I just think there's a couple of more pieces, um, whether they play back up at the two or back up at the three, That came in with this team that are a little bit more confident with the ball in their hands than than maybe like what Newman was at at times as well. Um, You know, we saw Miles in Europe, you know, multiple times uh, make make a move on the first man and and still be able to make a second move once he tried to get downhill and get to the rim. So he's going to get more and more confident with his ball handling as he moves forward. Also, Um, so I think there's multiple points to help take. You know, when we got in trouble, it was when it was like Braden save us from the press, (laughs) you know, like he needed when he threw that ball to somebody, somebody else that could turn and go. And we just didn't have it. I think we have more guys that are going to be more comfortable doing that than what we did last year.
3: Yeah. And uh, to quickly talk about the press, like, yeah, just, you know, Gillis first TKR. If he's at the four, like I feel like there's a bunch of times they get a two feet beyond, you know, before half court turn and just wouldn't go like just take you need you just to take two dribbles get it across and and the pressure's gone um the other one and he's not you know fletch isn't going to be a points uh, he's he's never going to like run the offense but i think if the shooting struggle stays um which i don't think will happen you know he didn't shoot well on the trip and all that fletch is the second best facilitator on the team And he's definitely the best post entry passer maybe with besides Smith, but I might even put him ahead of Smith. And so I think when it comes time to like, and hopefully, you know, hopefully obviously everybody plays well and there isn't as much, but if it comes down to like, you know, lawyer versus Colvin lawyer versus, you know, uh, Jones, I think even if lawyer isn't making as many shots as we'd want, like I think his facilitating is something that gets overlooked a little bit. You know, I thought he was really good at pretty good at it last year. Obviously, you know, needs to handle pressure a little bit more, just like pretty much the entire team. Um, But I think that is also another player that can kind of inadvertently relieve some pressure from Smith, depending on lineup or even Jones, if he's in with Jones. Um, I think he has that kind of capability to him. So do we want to jump into one of the other newcomers um, you kind of mentioned already, but miles Colvin, he goes eight to 12 from three on the Euro trip. That's the first thing that stand, or maybe the second thing that stands out besides uh, just the pure athleticism. He has Going eight from 12 from three small sample size Euro trip. So don't think it means everything, but um, you know, I, I, that is, it is a good thing to see the ball go in. He shot 31% from three in high school and like, I know he took tough shots, but I still just can't wrap my head around that. Just seeing how well he strokes it now. Um, but what were you know, Craig? What was kind of your thoughts with with Colvin?
2: Well, I mean, obviously that shot just looks pure. Um, and I had a chance to talk to Painter about that after the scrimmage, and and he just he talked about just how naturally he gets to that pull up, and and it's really a one or two dribble uh, straight into it, and he can elevate so quickly, and he can elevate high. Uh, that he can kind of get it whenever he wants. And, you know, for part of that scrimmage, I was sitting a seat or two down, um, from painter and the whole time he's saying, even when miles was missing, cause he missed it quite a few of them in the scrimmage. He actually shot a lot better on the Europe trip. Painter was still yelling, good shot, good shot. Take it, take it, take him, take him." Um, so he's encouraging that actively. So he, you know, feels really good about what he does there also. And, um, You know, Kyle had some thoughts, too, on Miles um, after that European trip. So we'll take a listen to him real quick about that as well. Some of the new guys coming in, Miles Colvin just shot the heck out of the ball over there. I think he ended up 8-12 on the trip. Didn't get to play the last game because of a little bit of a passport issue. Um, But Uh I I got to watch Miles play in the scrimmage uh, before he went over there. And man, that shot just looks pure in terms of his form being short, repeatable, and that stroke just just looking pure every time he takes a shot. I guess as you were, you got to sit pretty close. I think both games, just watching him shoot the ball. Uh, what were your impressions of him just just as a you know whether he ends up playing a two or a three as a wing that can shoot the ball?
1: Yeah, sure. He clearly has a nice. It's a nice, nice, smooth uh, jump shot. It's going to be spot up at this stage more so than uh take it off on a zone off the dribble. Um but at least for Purdue's set and what you want from a you know first year freshman, uh that's completely fine, of course. Um but it's a nice smooth stroke from the wing. Um obviously it went in with a certain amount of regularity that that you want to see on a stat sheet. Um with the athleticism. Um we'll see how his handle is in the Big Ten and at that level of competition. Um, but with that athleticism and the shot, the the defender's going to have to respect both to some degree. Um, his biggest, I mean, obstacle, or I should say, his his biggest obstacle to get onto the court is going to be providing enough confidence to Painter that he can play defense.
2: Yeah, as is the case with most freshmen uh, in the Purdue system, very and true. Painter, so so very. True. Yes. Because what did I, you see defensively from Colvin, Joe?
3: Yeah. Um, this this has been my biggest thing on him from even high school film, and it was a little different in high school. And just he very much just hunted for steals. Um, for as athletic as he is, he seems like he almost struggles keeping guys in front at times, um, and I, I just don't know. I don't quite know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on like why and maybe it's just been matchups and it. then once we get into the season, it'll be fine. Once he's in a better system, it'll be good. Um, but you know, I think that there's just a learning curve in general. Like I can remember one play specifically that a Colvin, um, and Heidi, they, they get miscommunicated on a switch or whatever. And those are two guys that have not played any minutes for, you know, Purdue in the regular season. So like stuff like that's expected, right? Like that's expected from everybody. He has the upside because of just how athletic he is. Um, but he's gotta he's gotta learn the system. He's gotta buy in and just um uh, I think just become a little bit better on ball. I, I think he has the tools, it's just gotta be gotta be used a little bit more.
0: So how's my sound now? I know I keep messing up. Is it still bad? It was it's worse now. It's worse. Oh my god. I'm having a I'm having a day, guys. I'm having a day. So we're happy to have right, you put- back though. Well, put me back backstage, and then I'll take the earbuds out. We'll do it that way. I apologize.
2: Yeah. Um, I I mean, really, to me, the amount of minutes that he gets is going to depend on how fast he learns the defense, but also how well is everybody else shooting. Um, Because if if Mason goes back to shooting 42% from three like he did the year before, if Fletcher's shooting like he was... You know, before January or into part of January, if Braden's shooting the ball well, if Jones is shooting off, a, you know, catch and shoot situations, okay, then maybe he doesn't see the floor quite as much. But if we're really needing shooting, which we might, there's a decent chance um, he he just shoots too good, um, and he's too much of a weapon out there that even if he is somewhat of a defensive liability, I think he's going to get floor time um, and a decent amount of it, and. You know, I think back to Carson because Carson freshman year was a terrible defender. I mean, he was he was awful, Um, but we needed we needed the points. And Carson was a microwave and he could come in and do it. And you kind of made up with it because Dakota and Vince and everybody else that was out there on the floor were good defenders. Um, So I I think, you know, a little bit of it's going to be how quick he learns defense, but also how good is everybody else shooting that's around him or in front of him.
0: Yeah. Do you guys think it's between him and and Camden Hyde as far as who's going to be battling over those minutes? I mean I I know um you know just listening to some of your guys' thoughts and 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 thinking about how these rotations will go, how much do you think those two are going to be competing against each other this year for minutes?
3: Yeah, I think you know that cuz that'll be more for the three, right? Like that's kind of where they overlap. Um it's it's that three spots going to be interesting my take right now is it's more in spot because you know what you're going to get um and i think he kind of sets the floor for what you get at the three while the other three guys and and we'll talk about waddell and probably a bit but you have waddell you have colvin you have heidi these longer athletic wings that have shown promising shooting um you know i i think it will be interesting i honestly and i i don't know if we've ever talked about this but like how much is, I think it's more of how much does Colvin get at the two Um yeah, is where his sure. time comes from. And, and I think he will get some minutes at the three, especially if Lawyer's shooting. And now if Colvin, if lawyer shoots well and Colvin, uh, def, you know, shows better defense, then he can kind of be that guy. Now you have two legit shooters out there. Uh, but I think, I think Colvin's primary will be the backup two, And he'll get some spot minutes at the three where Heidi's pretty purely a three. And if the front court wasn't so loaded, I could see him getting a few minutes at the four but um, it'll be it will be interesting. And, but even with all of this is the good there's just such a good thing that I would say all four options for the three are good options. like you're getting something different from pretty much everybody, but like it's this flexibility that Purdue just didn't have last year.
2: Yeah, and I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that that miles well I don't I shouldn't say no doubt. Um, but I would expect Miles to get more time at the two as well. It's just Miles can play the three. And I expect Lance to get more time at the one, but Lance can also play the two. Uh, when we look at Waddell, Morton, and um, Heidi, Heidi, those guys are limited to the three. None of those guys are coming over and playing the two, most likely. So no. it, it just depends on how Painter wants to manage that. But, it, you know, if Miles shooting is pure like this all the time, just butter, he's going to see the floor. <laughs>
0: at one of those two spots. Well, and Uh, that encourages me when you, you, Craig, you say you heard Matt Painter telling him, good shot, good shot, keep shooting. And that's something you've always kind of pointed out is like how he would allow, you know, some bigs to kind of grow into who they are on the court, but guards kind of have a shorter leash. Do you think that with, you know, Colvin being this athletic type that you just don't get that much, you know, uh, you know it's rare when you get a player like him and his potential. And we all saw what happened with Jaden Ivey. Do you think he's going to open that up a little more for him this year? Or is it that he's encouraging him because it's the summer?
2: I, I mean, I think a little bit of both, but I, I, I think Painter used to have a, a much quicker pull. And I think Carson changed that in a lot of ways. Uh, I think when he saw who Carson became, when Carson got the green light, you know, that next year after all those guys left um, and to some degree before that, you know, you you saw him kind of have more leeway with Ivy and let Ivy make some mistakes along the way and hope that that growth would occur through the season. And it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, to see Colvin be be able to work through some of that stuff. It's just this year's a little bit different than those other two years in my mind, because there are so many other good dudes um, that can play. And we play so many good teams right away, right out of the gate. There's not a whole lot of time to just like mess around and find out, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, I think it'll be,
3: you know, it's a little different in that Colvin is just a different player than Ivy too. Um, you know, I, I don't, kind of like your brother met said, like, I don't know if I trust Colvin's handle right now either, but if he can space on the perimeter, get to a one dribble pull up, like um, there will be plenty of opportunity for him to do that. You know, I think, and I think it goes back to a little bit and maybe this is just me kind of putting my own thought on it. But like, you know, I think painter just knows like, Hey, something's got to change for, for the postseason. Um, mm-hmm. You get, I've, I've mentioned this however many times you get 18 wide open threes. You go three of 18, you have guys that are, you know, looked scared to shoot um, and just kind of, you know, fell out of the moment a bit. Like, and just seems like just starting from day one, it's, it's getting back to these guys like Colvin, like, Hey, go get your shot, shoot the ball. You are going to be a good shooter. Um, just, you know, trying to get some confidence in them too, which is going to be super important. Yeah. I mean, you
0: mentioned, you know, um, wide open threes and that's the point, you know, as much as we want to see new wrinkles from Matt Painter, any coach in the country would take the amount of wide open looks that these perimeter guys are getting. And these players themselves that missed them last year would want all of those wide open looks again. And so that's what I want to ask you. Cause earlier we pulled up the comment about Colvin potentially taking minutes from Fletcher lawyer <clears throat> and forgive me if I'm bouncing all over the place, you guys are happy to uh, take the wheel back from me, but I am curious to know, because I'm a big fan of Fletcher lawyers. I, I liked his moxie when he first came in, hit some game-winning shots, had that slam dunk against Nebraska, really showed that, you know, he, he he plays with an edge when he wants to. And then at the end of last year, he hit the freshman wall. Is he ready to? to from what you saw at the scrimmage? Has he put a little muscle on or is he coming in with a different, you know, demeanor? You know, is is he ready to take that next step? Because his brother, you know, it, it dropping 35 at night and stuff like that, that's my expectation level for Fletcher. He's got that kind of stroke. I want to see this kid, when he's shooting threes, I want to feel like he's never going to miss. It, it, and and I it just feel like this year, now that he's gone through the grind of a, a college basketball season, he knows what it takes to get through a Big Ten tournament, and and obviously he felt the failures of March, the, he is the key because they're going to get wide-open shots, and he should be your best shooter on this team every year he wears the jersey.
3: So first thing, uh, you heard it here first, Braggs is expecting 35 points a game, uh, national player of the year. Fletcher I don't Lawrence. think
0: that's unreasonable either, thank you very much.
3: <laughs> um, but no, I think uh, he didn't shoot well on the trip, 7 of 22 from three. He shot, I think, well in the scrimmage. Uh, I don't have
2: the numbers right in front of me, but um, he was 75 on three of four in the scrimmage. Yeah, there you go. So I'm bought into Fletch. Um,
3: I have something coming out on him soon about a lot of his three point shooting. And like, he was very, very, he was very, very close to being a 35% three point shooter last year. Um, just by based on where some of his misses were and stuff, he was he was close it was also interesting when I was kind of going through all this and I'll have I'll have a video out on this at some, uh, some point within the next week or two, but he shot like 45% from three in January and then it was like 25% in February, 26% in March, something like that. Um, that freshman wall hit, like just – and the other thing that kind of stood out to me is teams just realized, hey, let's just be super, super aggressive with him. They started hedging everything against him. They really made him work for his shots on the perimeter um, – and that made it tough for him. That just it tanked his percentage. So he's got to be ready for that. I think he will be. Um, he was the only one in the the FDU game that shot well, which was at least cool to see. But um, you know, I, I I personally don't think he's going to have. I think he's going to be a thirty five to thirty seven percent three point shooter. Com- I don't want to say comfortably, but I'm I would am pretty confident that he'll get to that range.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree as well. I. You know, we don't really know for sure, but it sure seemed like uh, Fletcher got banged up as the season went on. And, yeah. you know, everybody talks about that freshman to sophomore jump. And I think one thing that keeps on getting lost is everybody focus- is focused on the newcomers. What can Cam do? What can um, Miles do? What L- Lance Jones going to do? And everybody just kind of forgets here, like Braden Smith went from a freshman to a sophomore. Fletcher Lawyer went from a freshman to a sophomore. TKR went from a redshirt freshman to a sophomore. All three of those guys should make their biggest jump of their career from the collegiate level this year. Uh, It's typically when you tend to see it happen. So I think just pure improvement of the guys that were on last year's team is going to be a major, major factor.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And let's let's jump into TKR cuz um, you know it's just we're 30 minutes into
2: the show we're 30 minutes yeah, into the show and we haven't talked about the guy that has looked the best uh, throughout this entire like preseason leading up to
0: Before we jump into TKR I do want to give Derek Molikins uh son Jameson a shout out he said his 7 year old son is sitting here listening and says hi and we appreciate you Jameson thanks for tuning in and boiler up Yeah
3: 100% um yeah. But yeah, we'll get back to TKR like you said. Dude looked the, like the best player on the trip. Um, Jeff Park goes. Do you think TKR has to be the four in the starting lineup? He just seemed to be the class of the European trip. He seems to have improved his footwork and moved really well when on the floor. I think I think Purdue will be probably at his best if he wins that starting four spot, um, and not as much per se like Mason Gill's lose it if, loses it if that makes any sense. Like TKR is just so good that. Purdue just has to play in minutes. I think he'll still get spots at the five. And this is something I want to hit on is with the uh, TKR first duo is that it's going to be this interesting dynamic that like TKR might be like the four. And I put that in air quotes for anybody listening on audio after. Um, But I think we did see a bit of like TKR still going to be, he's going to be put in the post because he's really good there. And and he showed out well, Um, you know, like Jeff said, I thought his footwork was good. Like he showed, he could just, he could just score against dudes and it'll be interesting to see what that looks like with Edie. i like some of the stuff that i saw with first and you know we can talk about that in a bit but i'll let you craig get your kind of thoughts off on tkr first
2: yeah i mean the first thing i want to say is i gotta interview tkr after the scrimmage and you know in that conversation one of the other reporters asked him about that about the four about the five and he just straight up said we only talk about the four that's what I prepare for. That's what we talk about playing the four. Um, like you said, I think if he's the four and first is the five, they're going to post that four spot, you know, um, and and Caleb's going to be more of a stretch five. So I don't know how much it matters what position we call him necessarily, uh, but I do think we'll see minutes, plenty of minutes of him at the four and Zach at the five and both in the scrimmage against, you know, really good guys on the Purdue team facing up against him, trying to play defense and on that Europe trip multiple times, he caught the ball out at the three point line and attacked off the dribble. Now he's not attacking all the way to the rim. He's not going to take somebody off the dribble and go up and dunk it, but he'll get into the lane. And then he goes immediately into a drop step or a pivoter over his right shoulder and, and makes a really quick move once he's there. And sometimes over two people or, or in the, you know, the clip you saw over three people, um, so I think he's gotten a lot more comfortable with his handle. I think he's gotten leaner. I think he's gotten faster. I think he's gotten more lateral speed. And that's all a good combination. And I just, I I like him guarding the four. And Joe, you and I have talked about this a lot. I don't think he's a great post defender. Um, yeah. He tends to just kind of slam his body and want to play bully ball. And that led to really quick fouls last year at times. I think he's better. Unless we're just playing against a, a really quick, NBA athleticism type four. I like him defending the four better than the five.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, he, it seems like he's improved his footwork. I don't think he had the foot speed to guard fours last year. He was also just in a tough spot when guarding fives of, um, and I don't, I don't like talking about refs, but, Refs had to guard or officiate Zach Eady for 12 minutes and then TKR comes in for five minutes. And it's just, it's just, it's a tough thing. He, I think he got some bad calls just because he wasn't Zach Eady at that point. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think it'll be interesting. Um, I like some of the stuff that you know that TKR first duo could do, or when first was at the five, I guess is more what this relates to, but it, it was with first at the five and Gillis at the four. Um, Purdue ices their ball coverage, which means when they're defending pick and rolls, you send the ball handler to the sideline. Um, and then, what was it? Gillis' Gillis's man was setting the screen. He rolls, and so now first is near the rim, but he rotates over to take the roller. And now Gillis, you know, because Gillis hedged way out, so he's 35 feet from the basket, he can't guard his man, the roller. First steps over, takes him. Gill switches out to first man. Nobody really has a mismatch at that point. Um, and I think they could do stuff like that with first TKR too, right? Where you, you know, maybe TKR starts out guarding the four, but he switches to the five on the possession because he needs to rotate over and help on defense or, or vice versa. And I think there's some stuff like that that'll work too. Um, maybe not as much with Edie, but we'll see how that kind of goes. I also like some of the stuff that they ran offensively. And I think, um, you know, there's this play called Horn's Twist that, uh, they ran a bunch with this. TKR isn't it. <laughs> this is not. Yeah. Actually,
0: <laughs> I have my whiteboard here. Yes. Let's get whiteboard the board out. All right.
3: Because and I'm I'm going to do it because I really think that this is an action that Purdue is just going to go to a ton. Um, yeah.
2: Why, while you're drawing that up, guys, when when TKR can get over his shoulder with this little baby hook, um, I mean, he is tough, tough, tough to stop yeah man
0: yeah. uh some some great shots i mean where else are you gonna find footage from overseas at the scrimmage you got a correspondent your brother did uh, did a fantastic job of breaking this down um and then i come in and screw it all up by not having my computer ready so you guys have have completely taken this thing over and now i'm the one uh that you got to carry so i appreciate it this is some really great work let's see that That's chalkboard cool. Yeah, let's do it. So
3: um, uh, this reflection is really bad, but we're just going to go with it. We'll figure this. I am working on something that should be better for actually in season. But so horns twist. So horns is when you have two guys at the corner. Um, I don't know. Do we want to full screen me? Uh, yeah, yeah sure. screen There we so, go. Two guys at the corner uh, right here, and then you have two guys kind of elbow adjacent area, balls up top. So this horns twist is he's going to come off a screen here. He's going to dive, and then he's going to twist it and come back off the screen this way. So as that's happening, and I have TKR here in first tier right now, but it could be switched. Um, and basically, like, he comes off the screen. So now you have somebody diving. You have somebody popping. He's usually going to come over. You know, he could look for a post up here. He could look for a roll. It puts this defender in a spot where he has to come over and help on this roll. So now, you know, Brain maybe gets to a skip pass here. Um, TKR is popping so you can find it here and it's just something it's a simple action where he just gets a screen going this way gets a screen going back from the other guy as the one guy moves Um, used it a lot and I think it's a good way to kind of use two bigs Um, it works well with TKR and first especially because both have spacing capabilities when it's in, he'll probably be the one rolling more and TKR will probably pop more but even last year they showed in the limited TKR ED minutes like um, I remember the one play they had Edie set a screen up top and TKR was posting up on the strong side. And so now Edie's spaced out, right? He's spaced out on the perimeter and TKR has this whole block to work with. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing with TKR at the four is how does Painter handle the dynamic of spacing and getting TKR his touches in the post while also, you know, recognizing that,
2: hey, Edie is, is Zach Edie. But TKR looked really, really confident shooting the three too. He, he yeah. was not hesitating and he was just pulling. He shot 40% between the scrimmage um, and the Europe trip. And I think people need to remember when he got recruited out of high school, he was a 40% shooter his junior year, a 40% shooter his sophomore year in high school on high volume. Um, yeah. I mean, he shot a higher volume of threes in high school than Mason or Caleb or any of our other bigs. Um, last year wasn't great, but he was still kind of feeling his way in. And if, if he shoots 35% from three, um to kind of space a little bit, then, you know, how's he not going to see the floor? And and that's
0: a backbreaker for defenses. I mean, you saw that when Mason Gillis would get hot. And, you know, I talked about that a lot last year that I was hoping that TKR would stretch the defense a little more. But in his role at the five, that wasn't his responsibility. So it's exciting to hear that this will be his role. If that's the case and you're seeing more minutes at the four – and his role kind of changing up. Does that mean that Caleb first now becomes the guy that gets those 10 minutes when Edie has to come off the bench?
3: I would say so. And they showed it a little bit with the first skillless combo too. So I think he'll be comfortable with that. Um, you know, first can be this kind of lankier five that can space. And we're hoping that he hits more shots again. Um, you know, he's a guy that was a, Willing shooter at times didn't fall a ton, but yeah, I think he's probably going to be the primary backup five and that's where we're going to get into a little bit of this. this, He's the five, but then TKR is the four, but TKR is still going to get his post-ups. You're going to space out both at the time. Um, First we we'll also I assume play a little bit next to ED. Uh, I think the one thing I'm, I'm interested to see um, is kind of what happens with Mason Gillis's minutes. Like, is he kind of the one that gets squeezed out of this? If TKR is playing 20 plus minutes, Edie's playing 30 minutes. Um, you know, we assume first is gonna get 10 to 20. So like kind of what happens with Gillis. But yeah, I think first would probably be the primary backup five. I don't think Berg is ready, and we can talk about him in a bit. Yeah, I, yeah that, I don't gets, think
0: that, was, that gives Painter such flexibility when if any of these guys get in foul trouble. Now you have some more interchangeables between the four and five. That's huge.
2: Yeah. And, and I don't think there's set positions there. I mean, Gillis isn't going to play the five, but right. Um, first is going to first may play some four and five TKR may still back up at the five. Um, you know, painter's going to have to figure that out as the year goes on. And probably the most interesting thing to me is the season starts is just going to be, how does he rotate that four or five spot? And how does he rotate who's playing at the two and the three, even though I think the starter at the two is set in stone. Um, in terms of like who else is going to rotate in and who comes in first and exactly what position are they backing up as, as we go through. It's going to be real interesting that first month of the season.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, go to this comment from Late Night Tips live stream. It says Gillis and Morton getting squeezed. Unfortunate for them, but business. My take on I – think, I think Gillis might, but um, I think for me, again, it goes back to like – Gillis getting squeezed because everybody else is so good, not as much that he's struggling. Like if Gillis can be this 10 to 15 minute per game guy that can shoot close to 40 percent from three, be physical. He knows the system really, really well. Like that's going to be a luxury for Painter to have. Just be like, hey, come off the bench, knock some threes down, play some good defense. Maybe depending on matchup, hey, we're going to need you 20, 25 minutes this game. Um, and then with Morton, like I think my take on that, and I kind of said it earlier, is like I think it's Morton's job right now. Just because you know what you're getting from him defensively, he had a case for all Big Ten defense for three quarters of the season. Um, I think he sets the floor, and I think the other three, and Colvin, Heidi, Waddell, set the kind of can set the ceiling. Right? They all have stuff that they need to prove. Um, whereas you know, kind of what you're getting with Morton right now, if I think if a lot of that stuff comes into you know, fruition, then yeah, I think Morton probably does get squeezed a bit, but that's another luxury where it's just like, hey, at Painter can go to him and be like, hey, I know that you're going to play really good defense. right?
0: Hopefully doesn't, that, a- doesn't that show you the evolution of Matt Painter's, you know, uh, program here? Because his foundation, especially since I've jumped on board and, and even prior to that have been glue guys. The glue guy has been at the fore. And that's what Gilles, you like, oh, this guy's going to be the embodiment of that team that went to, a, you know, an elite eight and almost a final four, same kind of role, glue guy, going to get the hustle plays, going to knock down some threes. But because they've rolled over these red shirts like TKR, you know, and 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 brought in more talent, now all of a sudden the glue guys are going to a role that's more suitable of like a, a bigger school that's... Got a more filled out roster, right?
2: Well, I think part of why that ha- happened also is simply just who we got recruited at the four spot. Um, you know, when when Vince Edward was here, and Vince primarily played the four, yeah, there, during that time, I believe. Um, and you know, he was one of our best players on that team, team one of our best shooters on that team, uh, without a doubt. So he was a focal point a lot more at the four. Um, and the glue guy was kind of a different position at that time. So I think some of it's just who gets recruited in any given any given year to the Purdue system? I don't think it always falls on the four to necessarily be that guy, but TKR is the first you know kind of top 50 recruit uh, to be brought in in that four spot in a long, long time. So just gonna naturally change.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, do we want to hit on Camden Heidi because you know he's one of the new I think we need to. Who- yeah, I haven't really for talked sure. about him too much. Uh, Craig, you've been high on him pretty much all summer, kind of being the drum of, hey, this is a guy that could come in and produce. I think he showed a little bit of, of you know, he's still going to have to adjust. But what were your, kind of your thoughts from the summer with him?
2: Um, you know, I, I think he showed elite athleticism, elite athleticism at certain points um, throughout this um, summer and through the scrimmage. I think he's still pretty raw and just kind of getting his legs back underneath him and figuring out how to play with the group. Um, Extremely athletic, long for that position. Um, I think he played defense pretty well, both in the scrimmage and on that European trip. At the scrimmage, he gets 11 rebounds, was really in there scrapping and all that type of stuff. And I think the real interesting debate becomes with that team that was over there in Europe, I don't know that Cam gets a ton of minutes at that three spot. With Zach anchoring the offense, I think there's an argument to be made that he brings some things to the table at that three spot that maybe plays off Zach really well. Um, he shot 80% from three uh, between the scrimmage and the European trip. He just played three games. He didn't play the last one. Wasn't super high volume, but I've, what up, you know, we all took that trip to Chicago. We all heard that Cam had been shooting the ball really well in practice, supposedly, Um so, if he can be a guy that just spots up and not high volume, maybe takes one, maybe takes two a game, but can knock him down with a high percentage, be lanky, long, and active um, defensively and get rebounds and just run the floor on the break. Because there's going to be at some point this year, if he's getting minutes, some point this year that we're going to see some ridiculous alley oop from Braden that's just going to blow the roof off Mackey. So, I, I don't know he wasn't quite as far along as I thought maybe he would be just in terms of looking fluid and comfortable out there um, we, we we're not playing the clip of my brother talking about Brian Waddell but one of the things he said about Brian which we'll get to in a minute was that you know it looked like he was still thinking about what to do on the court at times rather than just doing um, and I think there's maybe just a little bit of that with cam too um, that it's coming out him pretty quick and, and once that all becomes natural then I think we'll really see him pop
3: yeah, and he'll have the luxury that he has a little bit of time to adjust with how many options there are. They all will. Um, I kind of looked up because, right, like Gillis Gillis is going to be in the same spot of he- or Heidi's going to be in the same spot that Gillis was where, you know, didn't play senior year of high school and then you redshirt. Um, and I was just looking at what was Gillis's stats freshman year, and they're there they are. Gillis averaged 5.2 points, 4.1 boards, shot 35% from three and 22 minutes a game, started a bunch now, to be fair, the only other four on the entire roster was Aaron Wheeler, um, and that was kind of a down year for Wheeler. So, you know, Heidi has much more competition, but Gil showed like, hey, you know, he he was able to produce if Heidi can not even get to that those numbers per se, but be a guy that, you know, like you said, can contribute 10, 15 minutes and shoot some threes. He's going to have some insane breakaway dunks. Um, you know, I think it'll, I think it'll be fun. I, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be good. He's the biggest player. Maybe aside from first, he's the biggest guy with like elite athleticism on the team, which is good. Just another good thing to have. And that's why I also think he could eventually be a four.
2: It's just not going to happen this year. But that's probably a next offseason topic. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of discussion when we talk about the four and the five. Right. Like, let's say Zach plays 30 minutes a game close to it. Yeah. Say TKR, TKR plays 20 minutes a game. That's 50 minutes. There's still another 30 minutes out there. So it's not like we're talking no minutes. And very easily, and we saw Painter do it oftentimes last year, if Gillis is hot, he's going to play him. And he may see 25 minutes in the game. If first is hot or defending extremely well, he's going to ride his hot hand with him. So I don't think as we have this conversation, people need to take it as like, oh, my God, they're saying he's not even going to get minutes. You know, there's still time to go. There's still time to go around, you know? Oh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just specifically at the three spot, there is, I think we can all yeah. agree, four guys that are going to be competing for minutes in some capacity. Um, Colvin maybe a little less because he'll be more of a two. but you know, um, And then we'll, you want to jump to Waddell with this kind of good transition? Yeah,
0: i I, def- I definitely like to just because I've been hearing a lot of chatter about him. I've seen a few people put out tweets and things talking about how he's had some some really good progression here this off season, and then what you guys saw at scrimmage and and in Europe I'm certainly curious to hear because it's like how in the hell is he even going to find minutes but I'm now all of a sudden I'm hearing he's really starting to come into his own and 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 grow into you know becoming a college player here so I, I definitely am curious about Brian
3: I mean before his freshman year there was you know we we got the reports that when NBA scouts were coming in to see Jay and Ivy in preseason they walked away going hey who's Brian Waddell um and you, I think you saw a little bit of that come back out this year or not this year in the, in the off season. And i not saying that he's probably at, maybe at that level, obviously right now, but you know, there was just a lot of good things he's just, he's wiry. He's pretty athletic. He showed much more confidence shooting the ball. Um, I think cause he shot the ball really well in high school too. He has a kind of a weird jumper. I think last year in the limited minutes, it seemed like he had changed it a bit and it seems like now he's going back more to what he did in high school. Uh, it's bringing it's kind of bringing the ball up a little bit more and kind of almost like over his head a bit. Um, but he shot really, w- really well in high school with it. So, you know, um, yeah, as Boylan Texas says, uh, we're talking about Brian Waddell's National Player of the Year campaign. Yeah, that's you know, I think that's pretty logical. Um, you know, 35 <laughs> minutes, probably like 28 points a game, something like that. But no, he's another dude that's sh- he Heidi's kind of I don't want to say bulkier, but he's like bigger and super athletic. Waddell's lankier and super athletic and showed off that he could shoot some threes had a couple, had a dunk or two in there um a lot of things that like
2: just are are good things to have at that kind of wing position yeah and and the reason nba nba scouts were asking about him is, is because he does have incredible size for a guy that can still handle the ball fairly well now his handle isn't super tight um but he can handle the ball um and when you have that length Um, and you can play the three spot and, you know, eventually maybe in the NBA being even able to play a little bit of two um, and shoot the ball comfortably from outside, then you're kind of a matchup nightmare, um, especially at the college level. So if he can get comfortable shooting the ball, think a little bit less and just act instinctively out there, I I mean, there's a real chance he's he's the next walk on that plays a lot, a lot of minutes for Purdue.
3: He was never. He a walk shoots, on, but I get what
2: you're saying. He wasn't a walk on.
3: He was scholarship. He got the last one. Uh,
2: oh, that's right. It he was, was really he was late, late in the cycle. A, yeah, yeah. He shoots four of eleven um, on the trip from three, thirty-six percent, um, and in the scrimmage, shot one of two, fifty percent. So he's been shooting the ball fairly well too. Purdue as a team on the Europe trip shot thirty-seven um, yeah. percent. And it was a lot of the new guys, really, um, that were shooting the ball really well. And, and TKR shooting more of them and that type of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think, I, go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: I was, I was going to say the thing with Waddell, really quick, is just like it was that first game specifically. That first game, he really popped on the Euro trip um, and kind of just came in and I feel like caught people by surprise uh, in a good way of just like, oh, yeah, like this guy's on the team too. Um, which is going to, you know, is going to be big, but yeah, that first game he, he really popped. I think he might've led the team in scoring at least in like the first half or something like that, but you go ahead, Greg.
0: Yeah. And Taterology earlier in our chat said with the addition of Heidi and, and the progress of what this team has a lot more ability to be versatile and, and go small if need be. And, you know, that was kind of the, the, the kryptonite to finish their season last year. And now, when you have all these different options that you guys are talking about with Waddell, Heidi, Colvin, TKR being able to be interchangeable, first being interchangeable. This is going to give Matt Painter options when a team tries to pull the Okie doke like Fairly Dickinson did last year on Purdue and try something different with guys now that have experience. Whereas last year, you could try a different lineup but they didn't have experience together. Now, like Craig said, it's not just the newcomers. It's the guys that now have an extra year together. They didn't lose anything from last year with the exception of David Jenkins. That, 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 that you just can't quantify until we get to the regular season, how Matt Painter is going to be able to use different lineups like that to his advantage in lineups that know each other much better than they did last year.
3: Yeah, we did lose Brandon Newman, uh, Yeah, there we go. I was just going to say, I don't want Thomas to yell at us. We did lose Brandon Newman. Yeah, but
0: yeah, what's her name? We'll start screaming at me if I don't bring up uh, um,
2: Newman. But I, I do think there's some guys that can score in different ways, and I think a lot of the issue last year was it, it was three or post, and that was it. Uh, we didn't really have other ways to score, and Miles has an elite mid-range jump shot, and I, I am sold on that, that he – you know, you usually hear painter talk analytics. Like if you're going to shoot, go ahead and shoot that three or let's get it right at the rim. When he was yelling at miles to shoot, most of those were 15 footers that he was yelling at him. Keep pulling that, keep pulling that. Um, Lance Jones has a nice little kind of floater mid game to him. Um, so I, I, think we bring in a couple of guys that have ways to score that we didn't do at a high level last year. I do think Fletcher has a pretty good mid range game. Um, but we, they tended to get super physical and try to, like, bounce him off a spot last year, and hopefully he's a little bit stronger and can fight through that a little bit more this year, too.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, he had that MSU game at MSU um, where he Fletch just countered everything and did whatever he wanted, and so there is that in him, too, where he can counter. Uh, just got to be more consistent with it. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, and, and this isn't, I don't think this is a painter thing, so I don't think it happens, but, like, he could get weird with lineups if you really wanted to. And all this is saying, you know, this Edie's going to play 30 minutes as he should. But like, if you wanted a crazy athletic lineup that still somewhat fits, you could do, you know, Lance Jones, Miles Colvin, Brian Waddell, Camden Heidi, uh, Caleb first, right? Like, that's five athletic dudes out there. Um, not saying it'll happen, but. There's just more. We I think that's kind of the theme that we've been saying is there's just so much more optionality, so many more ways to score. There's going to be dudes that can get to the rim more. Um, Lance yeah. Jones did. He he got much more comfortable down the stretch, which is big.
2: And uh, I well, I'm, I'm not sh- exactly sure. Share I think here. Well, anyone play defense like Newman did those last few games. Um, you know, Newman was super active uh, defensively. I, I wouldn't still say that he was super technical on the defensive end and sometimes still miss some assignments uh, team defense-wise in terms of where he was supposed to be. But he was extremely active and put ball pressure on. And when they were playing offenses where that's what he could really key in on and do, um, he did that at a high level. Um, my answer to this is Lance Jones will be a better defender than anybody we had on the team last year um, from the guard spot. Um, I... There's been multiple people, Ray Fell said this, that he's a potential All-Big Ten defensive team candidate um, coming into the season. He was in the conference that he came from. Um, athletic, physical, I think he's going to change the way we we guard up front, personally.
3: Exciting. Um, I would I would throw Waddell if he gets the minutes into that kind of category, too. Of I, I'm really bought in on what he could do defensively. Uh, I think Hyde and Colvin have the athletic tools to do it. They just got to buy in more. And then I, I've i already mentioned how I am on Morton. Like, I, I think he's a legit defender uh, and a dude that can legit guard one through three, depending on, well, depending on matchup, I should say. But, um, you yeah, no, I, I think, think there's going to be... A...
2: Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm, I was kind of rambling. You, you go. <laughs> I think this is a really interesting question from Cobra uh, Snaps here. Where are we setting the over/under on number of different players with a twenty-point game this season? All right, Brags, you get to go. Brags, you get to no. go first.
0: <laughs> well, obviously we have Zach, uh, T.K.R. I'll just start from the bigs down. Zach, T- I mean, I mean, I'm going to get silly here. I'm I'm the mayor of Meatball Island here at uh, Bears Twitter, so this could get ugly with how many names I'm going to name off. But Zach, T.K.R. Mason Gillis. Um, Miles Colvin. Right? Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. Um, Jones. Lance Jones is gonna get hot in a game. It's so where am I at now?
2: Six or seven? Seven. Seven. <laughs> that, that that's where I
0: land. That's where I landed. No, no, time out. Brian Waddell is gonna have the Brian Waddell game. I don't know what day it's going to be, but the, the Brian Waddell game, right? Cause they're going to leave him open and he's unassuming. who the hell is this guy. And then he's going to let one team know.
3: It's fair. I probably what ED TKR Smith lawyer. Those are my four locks. Like I, yes, like they will. Um,
2: Gillis is gonna get 20 some game.
3: Maybe. I, I don't did he score 20 besides the game that he hit nine threes last year? Not, I know that not last year, to... I don't
2: think, but year before I think he did.
3: Yeah, so um I'd probably yeah, I'd I'd probably throw Colvin. I could see him getting hot for a game. That'd be five, and then you know, maybe maybe Gillis or first. Um so I think uh boiler in texas said he'd set the line at five and a half i think that's a pretty good line for this six and a half all
2: right Um, i think lance jones is a microwave he's gonna score 20 against somebody even if it's against like one of our lesser opponents i think he gets 20
3: okay i could see
2: that then he likes to score too
3: much (laughs) i could i could see that um if he wants to just eventually spot up at the three-point line that'd be i would love that uh did not do it all last year. There was he would spot up at the logo sometimes. Like he wouldn't have a defender on him, he'd just spot up there. So granted, yeah. he would hit a few. Um, but it'll be interesting to see.
2: Do we want to touch on Wilberg? He's the other newcomer we, we haven't yeah, really. Yeah, we need on. to. We haven't really at all yet. So
3: yeah. Um, you know, Wilberg, obviously red shirts last year. Comes in as this guy that, you know, is projected maybe could stretch the floor. Um, I I think he, I watched a little bit of his overseas stuff back when he was in high school. Uh, Definitely was that, definitely was more mobile. I think his biggest thing right now is he just needs reps. I I think he just needs reps. He needs time. I don't expect him to play much this year, Um, you know, but if you're going up against Zach Eady in practice every day for two years, you're going to get better. And that's going to be big for him as I assume this will be Zach Eady's last year. Um, I said that last year, though, so who knows? Uh, but, you know, I, Berg, I think, what, he went 10 of 13 on the trip from two. I don't think he attempted a three. It was pretty good on the boards, had four blocks. I think there was upside to see, and I think um, he showed some flashes of, like, okay, that's why he's at Purdue. But I think more than anything, he just needs time. Yeah.
2: He he just needs some time catches, catching passes at game speed, making moves to the basket at game speed, seeing double teams at game speed. Um, and he's going to get a lot of that just scrimmaging against, uh, you know, his Purdue teammates throughout the year, this year, I'm with you. I I don't see a spot where he gets a lot of minutes. Um, you know, maybe we don't play that many teams that you would say aren't going to be real competitive games, but maybe in some of those games, he gets a little bit more. We got to remember how much of the time that he's been here, that he's also been dealing with an injury. So, you know, it's it's not like he's had a full year when he redshirted to really work on his game and to be battling against other Purdue players. So, you know, we're behind schedule a little bit here, but I'd, I'd say most likely it's another year away before we see significant contributions.
0: Has he shown what his go-to is?
2: Not yet, really. I wouldn't say. I don't
3: think he really had the... Cause like
0: his, the highlights they showed when he first was coming to Purdue, uh, and they're overseas at gyms that were very similar to what that Purdue were playing in overseas, maybe even worse. They looked like uh, uh ballrooms almost at times that Willie Berg was playing in, uh, you know, and it, he looked like a guy that played at the top of the key a lot and put the ball on the, you know, put it on the dribble. And is he now more when you saw him at scrimmage, a post-up guy like TKR, or is he a guy that's still at the top of the key and they're running that Chicago action that we talk about so much and, and he has that ability to either put it on the ground or or take a shot from up there.
3: Um, from what I saw, it was more just at the rim. Like I didn't really see him use too much on the perimeter. I don't know if that was just the you know sets that were ran and stuff like that. Um, I would have thought like if they if they wanted him to though, if he would have been able to step out. It seemed like unless you you can correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, but I feel like he was mainly just kind of around the rim maybe a, a couple post-ups or whatever. And then will just a lot of like putbacks and stuff.
0: What's the physicality? Yeah. Is there any kind of physicality? Is this leaning more towards Matt harms, you know, as far as physicality with his lankiness, you know, a guy that, you know, can be disruptive with his length or does he show an ability to, to put his shoulder into somebody?
2: I mean, I think he's going to have to be that eventually to be able to put his shoulder into somebody and just bulk up. Cause he, he's not quite as mobile or as fluid rolling uh, the few times that I guess we've seen it out there in scrimmage in this. I don't think he rolls I mean, for whatever Matt was. Um, you know, he's probably been one of the more athletic bigs we had in terms of a pick and roll situation, rolling to the rim, whatever, catching the ball and being able to go up with just a short shot off of that and not having to go into an actual post move. Um, but yeah, I, I, right now it looks like he's going to have to bulk up and have more of Zach's post type of post game. I mean, we saw him shoot those threes and um, highlights before he came over, but um, you know, see if that translates to actually happening in games at the college. Yeah, level he's supposed
0: to be Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, that's what we thought we were. And <laughs> hey, I feel bad for him because I don't know where his spot will be. Cause as you said, you, you uh, Joe, you mentioned, you don't think Zach's going to come back next year. And I disagree. I know that's getting way ahead of our skis as far as the predictions are going to go. But as soon as I saw the way it, it broke down for Zach, you know, this last offseason and the decision he had to make, I just don't think much is going to change in regards to the way the NBA views Zach Eady, the money opportunity that Zach Eady has at the college level. That just is it's hard to pass up. You'll never get this Next year, this year, and next year back, if you're Zach. And yes, you want to chase your NBA dream, but with the way NIL works, there's very few players at the college level that are as marketable as Zach Eady. If you took Oscar Tashibwe and put him in a Pizza Hut commercial, 90% of the country wouldn't know who Oscar Tashibwe is. All due respect. But if you put Zach Eadie in a Pizza Hut commercial, most people, even the most you know, surface-level college basketball fans, are going to know who Zach Eadie is because he is so unique. And that kind of marketability is going to keep him making very big dollars at the college level, and in my opinion, the reason why he won't just be here for this year But next year as well, I feel very strongly about that.
3: I think it just honestly just think it comes down to uh, one how Purdue does this year. I think the loss last year played a factor in him coming back, Um, and then it's you know there was a great article I wish I remembered who wrote it. Um, on the athletic of kind of just detailing what Edie went through in those final days and stuff and you know Edie had to work out the day of the deadline and if he had a it sounds like if he had a promise of you know he could get what uh, he was going after which sounded more like um, a, a two-way contract with a legit chance at like some nba minutes um, he would have gone and so it'll be interesting to see I, I think he was close if purdue does you know if purdue wins a championship You have the do you end you go out on top if he you know if he if he wins if he sweeps national player of the year and Purdue makes a final four wins the championship like it's kind of a storybook ending if you want to go that way too it'll It'll be interesting
0: yeah Um, and if you if you had if the money wasn't involved then and all you you had to do was go off of you know accomplishment or legacy. That that would make more sense. But last year, he what, report reportedly made somewhere around a million dollars. And this yeah, year, do. I think the projection, what would you say the projection, if you had to give a rough estimate? Because I'd set it at about between three and five, maybe closer to three.
2: Now the, I have the problem no is... actual idea, but it'd be two. Probably like he'll get like two or something like that. They, they didn't get the work, the work visa approved, um, for him to be able to earn directly from the United States. So all the money still has to go through Canada, uh, because of his status. So that, that's the limiting factor here, Greg, if he was, if he was able to earn like, uh, us citizen, uh, playing in college ball and he had the profile that he did, then yeah, I think he's a $4 million a year guy. Um, but the fact that the earnings still have to come through Canada the way they do, um, I, I don't know that it's there in the same way. Now you, we do, you know, Purdue does play in Toronto. He's going
3: to get a, he'll, yeah. he'll do a lot of stuff. I assume then, and he's been with team Canada. I know they're overseas now at this point, but he was with team Canada for however many weeks. And I would be shocked if he wasn't taking care of business in this at that point as well. Um, to get, there. and yeah, I, I don't know how it all works either. I'm just,
2: they just announced that he made the final roster. So he is going to mm-hmm. be on the team when they play in the actual world cup. So Yeah which will be fun.
3: Um, oh, I wanted to go back. This is just way, Cobra Stats. He's looked it up and said last year there's five players that scored 20+. plus. Uh, Edie did it 20 times. Lawyer did it three, Smith two, Gillis two, and TKR one. So Gillis got it twice, so maybe I would throw him in, although I don't know exactly what his role is. Uh, anybody that is out there watching, follow Cobra Stats on Twitter. Uh, he puts out great stuff. I believe it's at Cobra Stats. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, definitely go follow him. Uh, want to go? To this other comment from Jeff Parks. He goes. Field of sixty-eight tweeted out. Is there anyone nationally that can challenge Zach for deep for uh, Enpoi, National Player of the Year? Um, I think for me, there's two scenarios where he doesn't get it. Um, I guess there's a third one in that he you know he just doesn't play well, but I, I don't think that'll happen. I think scenario one is Purdue cuts him back to twenty-eight minutes a game and is um. You know, knows how dominant he can be, but is deploring others to really, really score. So that way there's more flexibility come March. So lower usage, lower minutes, I think is one way. And then the other is just if somebody else really pops, Edie has a similar season. Um, you know, voter fatigue is a thing. We see it in, in sports all the time. I think that maybe that could factor too. If somebody else really, really pops and Edie has, you know, a similar year, which is is still an insanely good year um, one of the best years like ever, but, uh, those would be my two scenarios. I I don't know specifically, you know, all of the guys that could do it, but those would be the two ways I think he doesn't get it.
2: Yeah. And he pretty much stole my tweet the other day, uh, with, with that answer, but (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm I'm kidding. It's fine. It's fine. Now I I said the biggest threat in, in my mind, the biggest threat to Zach, not getting national player of the year is that, Purdue is playing good enough as a team that we don't have to play him 32 minutes. Um, And I think that's also the best case scenario for Purdue to keep him fresh throughout the entire year. Not that he looked tired, uh, but you just take a beating um, at his size and the focal point that he is to be out there that long. And if we have enough guys that, that are playing well so that his role in some way is diminished a little bit in terms of time, and maybe he doesn't have to carry quite the scoring load. Then maybe somebody else has a crazy year. Personally, I think it's going to have to be a guard. I, I don't think a big man out there is going to be able to match numbers. But if a guard or a wing pops with an incredible year um, and his numbers are down a little bit, then maybe that happens. But the last person to win back to back National Player of the Year, I'm trying to even go back I asked to. Oscar Tashibway. No, no, he didn't win back to back.
0: I thought I he won back to back.
3: I think it was like seventy-two or something like that. Um,
2: yeah, it's been a long, long time, and there's a there's a reason <laughs> for that. So I, well, Ra- Ralph Sampson, Sam, yeah, Ralph Sampson, 1981, 82, and eighty-three, uh, three years in a row is what I'm seeing. So you know, we're not talking about an easy feat uh, for Zach to pull off here. Yeah, and if Tom
0: Izzo has his way. Zach will not be getting it because all he does is cheat, according to Tom Izzo. But Tom's just going to have to deal with it for at least one more year. Um, Certainly it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see it, man. Uh, I guess we'll have another scrimmage coming up in October, which I will do everything in my power to attend because I had extreme FOMO um, not being able to go for the scrimmage here a couple weeks ago and not being able to go to the alumni game. Did we not get Sasha versus uh, Bobby? I, you know, I didn't see any reporting of anyone getting crossed up, so I'm assuming that that matchup never happened between Stefanovic and Bobby Buckets.
2: I, I took so many videos of Bobby when he had the ball, thinking he was going to shoot, and got some videos of him missing shots, and then I Excellent. missed the one... Th- I missed the one time that he actually hit the three in the game. Uh, So I I felt really bad that I couldn't make our guy Bobby Bucket shot. Well,
0: let's let's take that's fine. And that's, you know, that's our bad not getting the, the made shot. But we can still take all the misses and maybe try to clip those together. And then when he comes on, we'll break down with Bobby what went wrong on those shots. You know, have to give our guy a little shit.
2: Yeah, I like it. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: I know know Sasha lit it up that day.
2: Sasha did. I I lost count. I think he had seven threes before it was said and done.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, we'll have more alumni games here in the future, and uh, Bobby's getting older, so he better figure it out before they kick him off the alumni game and they give him a walker.
2: (laughs) Oh, there was – there was guys out there 20 years older than Bobby, so I don't think he's in danger of that. But there was a big crowd back. Um, you know, with them, Honor and Coach uh, getting inducted in the Hall of Fame shortly after that, there was a really, really big crowd of alumni um, there and around campus later. And not just
0: the the alumni crowd, but the crowd itself at Mackey, just from the videos that you've shared here, Craig. I mean, that just puts it on display just how much Purdue basketball means uh, to, to the people of West Lafayette and beyond and, and people tuning in here from across the country. And that's, and that's essentially why we, we want to try to keep this channel going and growing. Uh, we're not going to take the whole off season off, and, and that's a credit to you, Craig and Joe, for keeping the train rolling. Uh, football seasons, uh, I mean, I, I know fo- there's, there's games, I think, Saturday and then all of college mm-hmm. football in two weeks. Gets kicked off, but um, forgive me for saying this if, if I'm out of pocket here. But to me, West Lafayette is a basketball town first, and I and, and I you get those vibes with the passion that uh, these uh, Purdue Boilermaker fans have for um, the Purdue basketball men's basketball and women's basketball team, and uh, showing up to Mackey Arena like that puts it on full display.
1: No yeah, doubt, the was crowd great.
2: was awesome, and Chris Foreman put up several pictures and videos of the crowd. And uh, shout out to Chris Foreman, by the way, just absolutely amazing and great his oh, job yeah. and what he does. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it was nuts just walking in there and seeing that type of crowd everywhere. Just pretty unbelievable for that type of a game.
3: Yeah, I uh, you know taking in the clips online, I definitely I miss being there, and I've even you know I've been watching some stuff back and whatever, just prepping for next year. It's just like man, I, I can't wait to be back in Mackey
0: Arena. And, Craig, you got some questions in with uh, Coach Painter.
2: Uh, did, did, does he, he, you does he when,
0: scare you like he scares me when, when I'm asking questions? Yeah. You, weren't, you,
2: you weren't nervous? I'll tell you, what was funny was everybody, this was right after Big Ten Expansion got announced, and everybody was wanting to ask him about that. You could tell, like, he hadn't had time to process it or find out exactly, like, they, he doesn't know how they're going to travel when they go out west or any of that type of stuff yet. There's no way. So when I actually asked him about Miles of the basketball question, he was like, you could tell he was excited to answer a question about basketball and about his guys when it came around to him. So, no, I I felt good. Greg felt good. Um, You know, Greg's uh, Greg's not in the building. He's out to play with the Chicago Bears. And um, I got my confidence when you were gone, buddy.
0: There you go. I love it. Love to see it um hopefully we can effort matt painter back on boilers in the stands like we had to start last year and when we do then joe can get a few questions in at at coach painter and and i'll definitely be revealing to matt how much he terrifies me but i'm sure he already knows that yeah
3: no <laughs> yeah. that'd be that'd be awesome i would love that so
2: I did ask uh, him about the Cubbies, um, said something to him about the Cubbies. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: I them Cubbies, Craig, because the last time we all yeah, saw each yeah, other, yeah. we were on a little field trip for Boilers in the Stands, and Bobby came along and, and Ben Kaladzinski from ISC Purdue, and, and Craig was having a good old time with his Cincinnati Reds being ahead in the stand. They were up like... Eight games in the standings or something back then, then Joe. No, it was now,
2: like, no, it was like, uh,
0: three hey, games. Let me exaggerate. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. And since then, the Cubs have just gone on a tear. And our, if the playoffs started today, they'd be in the playoffs. Reds are on the outside looking in. So I warned you because you picked up this newfound love for the Reds. And I, I try, as a friend, I tried to warn you, and you're poking the bear. With, the, with our with our Chicago Cubs, and, and you've awoken a sleeping giant.
2: Yeah, well, my dad used to take me to games when <laughs> I was a little kid, uh, going down there to Cincinnati, down on the river, and, and watching those games. And, you know, to see the Reds get decent again and have a, the most exciting player in baseball right now, um, it, it was hard for me not to get back behind them a little bit.
0: That's fine. That's fine. And you're welcome to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to steer you, whichever, if you want to stick for your reds, that's fine.
2: Uh, they but I'm a half, They're a half or, game back of the Cubs right now. And they're playing that, right now.
0: They're completely <laughs> out of it
2: is what you mean.
0: No, they do. They got an exciting young team. The Cubs finally woke up. So, but this isn't a baseball podcast. I, I'm certainly looking forward to it, but it was, the one game we went to in July was the one time the Cubs got their ass kicked. And it seems like they've barely lost since. But we, of course, had to go when they lost by 10. But it was a, it was a nice time. We're, we're going to have to do that every year. And then maybe we can start bringing – maybe, maybe fans, you know, we'll let them know when we're going to a game maybe they can – come by for a, a, a retreat, a Boilers retreat in the stands in the summertime while we're on this extended break waiting for basketball season to start back up. I'm done.
2: Yeah. So. I think that's about um, all we got, isn't it, Joe? I mean, how about it? We, we
0: spent an hour 15, barely touched on – Zach Eady and the national player of the year and, and somebody put it in the chat early in the earlier in the show. The spoil of the riches when it comes to these Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, they had a really well-rounded team last year, but a young team. And now this year, they're not so young anymore. You know, they've got uh, some serious firepower, some serious experience, uh, good experiences last year, and obviously some pretty bad ones that you know, have to be sticking in the back of these players, you know, minds. And you hope they're able to use that as motivation uh, this year. And as Craig mentioned, a loaded schedule, some really fun games to start the year. And that's how Matt Painter draws it up when he knows his team is is capable of taking on a schedule like that. And last year it worked to their benefit, not just for. You know rankings and 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 you know what their seating would be, but just you know to get these guys ready. And now this year, that's going to be back on full display, taking on some really tough teams early on. I'm excited for it.
2: Yeah, yeah and
3: I, and I can't we're wait. We're not
2: ignoring Zach. This this show was aimed at talking about the scrimmage in the European games, and yeah. Zach wasn't there. <laughs> so, yeah. just to be clear, we can't yeah. evaluate. What we saw from Zach when Zach's not there. So,
1: you know, we're gonna do a
2: full on, full fledged preview show later that gets into breaking down the schedule and what they have upcoming and all that type of stuff. Where, where we'll talk Zach a lot more. Um, Yep, just wasn't in this show. Yep. To be fair, after
3: our post game shows, like Zach would drop like twenty five and fifteen, and we talk about it for like (laughs) three minutes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: As long as the, the National Player of the Year voters don't get bored by it. Well, we're, we, we're trying to focus on other other things to try to, to avoid being redundant. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun this season. we got some big things planned. Um, I, I won't be on my phone for those shows going forward. So that will be a nice change of pace. Uh, you know, we're, we're picking it up on a few different levels production-wise. Uh, Shout-out to you guys for doing a tremendous job this summer. Uh, we'll just try to continue to keep the content rolling, and uh, just stay tuned for more updates as as uh, we get to fall and uh, some different things we're going to try as we try to expand this boilers in the stands brand. And um, everybody that's tuned in here today, we you know obviously these aren't you know the kind of crowds that we get for post game shows, but everybody that's tuned into this show either live or here in the next few days or whatever. Uh, You guys are our foundation, and we appreciate your support. Uh, Please hit that like button, subscribe, tell your friends about us, uh, because, like I said, you guys that are tuning in for these in the summer are our foundational fans. So, you know, when we have the big crowds for the big interviews, you know, come November and December, we appreciate all those big numbers, but, you know, the foundational fans is what is going to keep this thing alive and then the more we can continue to grow and, and help through your support, the bigger we're going to get, and the more content we can put out for you. So we appreciate that.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. Really appreciate you know all of you guys that tune in and stuff. Uh, I have an absolute blast doing this. I'm glad you guys enjoy this. You know, and I think we do a good job trying to interact with anybody in the comments and things like that. Um, appreciate. Yeah, Boiler in Texas. He's he's somebody that tunes in a lot. So appreciate he's a great everybody dude. that does that. Yeah, for sure.
0: And make sure you're tuning into his his uh, live streams too. He does a great job. Jeff Parks wants to know, um, you know, to you, Joe, do you got any feed the post content coming? You've definitely been pumping out some good stuff. Yeah. So the answer
3: is yes. So I've uh, <laughs> tomorrow will be the last one of the newcomers videos on my YouTube at feed the post. Um, I have videos on all. You know, 14 Big Ten teams, all the newcomers for each team, just kind of breaking down film, things like that. Purdue one, I've spent, I put extra time into that one. Um, really, when it, that was probably my most in depth one. Um, I will, starting next week, be having team previews. I'm having, uh, bringing on somebody that covers like each team to come on, talk about the, you know, each team in the Big Ten for about 30 minutes. So those will be coming out. And then I also have a video about Fletcher Lawyer coming out. Probably next week. If not, it'll be the following week at the latest. Uh, specifically looking at his three point shooting, but I'll kind of I'll kind of leave it at that. So a lot coming out there. I do appreciate all the support there. Um, a lot of support kind of overlaps between the boilers and the stands in my feed the post. So um, and then my Twitter, yeah. of course, I just have a lot of, of video and stuff like that come out.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you know, Greg, but uh, Joe's name has been getting tossed around on some uh, by some people with some national brand podcast hey. here in terms of referencing his preview videos of players coming into the Big Ten.
0: Hey, rightfully so, man. Rightfully so. It's a privilege, um, honestly, for both of you, you guys, the knowledge you bring. Obviously, you carried me this whole show, so I need you guys a lot more than you need me, and um, I'm not afraid to say that because I'm proud of uh, what both of you guys have done on your own right. You guys bring a lot of knowledge, and that's what we do here at Boilers and Stands: try to bring some passion uh, combined with some quality knowledge. So uh, unless you guys have anything else, I think that wraps things up for tonight. Uh, make sure you guys are good tuning to have in. back, I Yeah, I apologize today. for dropping the ball, leaving my power cord at the studio. Uh, so that's my bad. But we made it work, and that's what we'll continue to do is just make it work and, and get better and better as we get to the regular season. So, um, you know, like I said, I'll let you guys kind of close things out since you're – you got the computer in front of you, but appreciate everybody tuning in. Yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter, uh, all of us a- across the board at Braggs st- and the stands. Um, subscribe, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Again, appreciate all the support there. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, for Joe Jackson and Craig Bowers, I'm Greg Braggs Jr. This is Boilers in the Stands, Boiler Up.